Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Monday to you, Golden Eagle fans. The second week of November upon us. You're listening to the Eagle Hour live from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens. Next hour, we're going to talk Southern Miss. We will visit a little later in the program with Dave Rigert of James Madison University as the Dukes now officially headed to the Sun Belt Conference. We'll talk to Dave a little later in the program. Heath Hinton, uh, talk a little basketball, some recruiting news um, as all that, and we'll, we'll recap with Heath also the Southern Miss uh, loss to North Texas uh, two days ago on Saturday. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue. You know where they are in the hometown of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the hometown team. Justin and his great staff located just outside Turtle Creek Mall in West Hattiesburg. Great meat smoked fresh every single day, and they can cater your next event. And some of y'all are going to celebrate Thanksgiving multiple times. How about letting Dickie's pull off one of those catering events for you, playoff action away uh, underway in in high school. Also, up here in Jones County, uh, we've got two teams in the playoffs, and Dickie's a great way to to get ready for a, a tailgating at your next event. Dickie's Barbecue cooked here, loved everywhere. All right, Kelly Sander, um, let, let's come back to this a little later in the segment. Well, we need to mention first and foremost, salute Coach Mo and the Lady Eagle Soccer Team. They fall after a valiant performance. In the Conference USA soccer tournament, fell for the second time in four years in the in the championship final. They lost yesterday to Old Dominion by a score of one to nothing. But the second time in four years, Coach Mo and the ladies have uh, have reached that championship final. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. All right, Kelly, let's uh, let's let's talk for a minute, and we'll talk more with with Heath Hinton next segment. But the Eagles fall thirty eight to fourteen and uh, Eagles jump out to a fourteen to nothing lead and then take a lead into halftime and then just too many mistakes in the second half. And I really thought watching the game in the first half was not impressed with North Texas at all in the first half. Their execution was poor, they were flat footed, they just it looked like they had no energy whatsoever. And, yeah, for the Eagles to take a 14 to nothing lead, I thought, hey, okay, look, North Texas is, is not a world beater, but they did win last weekend, came in here with a bunch of confidence. And when, conversely, the Eagles take a halftime lead, I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe our guys have got a little bit of confidence. And then the second half, North Texas woke up, I guess, and uh, Southern Miss continued to be what they've been all year long. Uh, unfortunately, and now really the only winnable game is is FIU, you would think on the schedule, uh, as they head to UTSA this weekend and then have a Friday night game against Louisiana Tech. Tech with only two wins this entire year. It's been disappointing for them. But um, but going into that last game against FIU, you know, we are we going to have a Todd Munkin type, type situation where the only non-SWAC uh, game that you win would be the last 
game of the season. You know, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, very disappointing in the second half. But really, you kind of know what the team is at this point. All right? So it, it really shouldn't have, have surprised you, you too much. Again, it all, it all just goes back to how depleted uh, Southern Miss is. And we'll talk about this with Heath Hinton too, Luke, when, when he comes on the show. But you just have to wonder if at the end of the year – when some shakeups take place, that if a lot of the shakeups just aren't going to take place on the personnel side of the ball, uh, if, if people don't know, scholarships are offered, and they're only guaranteed for the one year. So even if you think you're going to be getting a scholarship for four years, you know, you may not. And that's kind of the deal. And I think Will Hall is probably going to have to look around. And again, I'm not – the guys are doing the best they can, but the question becomes, are they talented enough to compete at that level? And I think that's in these exit evaluations at the end of the year, that's what Will Hall and his staff are going to have to decide. How many of these guys are we keeping and how many of them are we going to let go? This is what uh, Coach Hall had to say, just a quick clip after the game, talking more about what you just said, Kelly. And uh, we just, you know, and then we, we had some breakdowns defensively. We're just not a very good football team. You know, we're really thin right now. We're playing in the 60s in scholarships. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. We're one of the youngest teams in, the, in America. We've talked about that. And uh, we got to keep getting better. I saw some young guys continuing to improve. we got to keep recruiting. You know, and it's really hard right now. we got three more games. It's probably not going to get any easier. So he kind of mentioned specifically, and we'll, we'll ask Heath more about that, but, you know, he said they're in the 60s in the scholarship you know, and, and part of that's just because of the situation he inherited. But, but yeah, I think everybody knows now, and it's it was kind of the, the murmuring, you know, before, during, and after the game that people recognize that this roster is is uh, sub talent. I mean, and, and that's not a shot at, at anybody. That's just where we are. And when you look at specifically, and of course you're playing, you know, with uh, with your fifth, sixth string quarterback, Jake Lane goes 17 to 25 for 116 yards and a touchdown. Frank Gore 12 carries for 85 yards. Richard 10 carries for 48 yards. But team wise, the defense gave up 537 yards of offense. Uh, they did force, uh, you know, a, a couple turnovers, but um, Eagles fumble it twice. And again, Kelly. Uh, another fumble return for a touchdown. I believe that's the third or fourth this year that the offense um, has given up. North Texas adjusted at halftime, scored 31 unanswered. And it was 14-7 at the halftime, 38-14 the final. And you just can't, when, when you're behind the eight ball to begin with, you just can't turn the ball over. I, I'm begin, as, as I get older, I'm realizing that turnover statistic really means a lot. Uh, and in the, on the NFL side, you know, Cincinnati and Cleveland played yesterday. Cincinnati turned it over three. You know, Cleveland beat the, the, beat the brakes off of Cincinnati. But Cincinnati turned it over four times. Cleveland didn't turn it over at all. So taking care of the football means a lot. I thought it was interesting and telling. I was talking to some guys at our tailgate party who went down to Eagle Walk before the game. And, you know, this was the, this was the game that they – paid tribute to Larry Fedora's team from 10 years ago. And a lot of those players came back. And people who went to Eagle Hour were saying, they said, those guys from 10 years ago, now obviously as you get older, you're going to put on weight, you know, generally speaking. But they're saying those guys from 10 years ago were even much taller and thicker than the players that we have generally on the team now. All right, which kind of tells you where things maybe have, have gone recruiting-wise as a whole. Um, and, and some things have, have 
you know, Will Hall asking some of the players, you know, to describe Will Hall's attitude, and they said embarrassed. Um, so, so some things are definitely going to have to change on on the roster during the off season, and you got two really tough tough games coming up against UTSA and La Tech. But all those uh, all those guys came back, and Austin Davis, of course, with the Seahawks being off, he was there and giving out Austin Davis bobblehead dolls. All that was there, and just. Uh, just unfortunate, and and I think in some ways, Coach Hall talking about in the embarrassing aspect he that those 2011 guys had to watch what was on the field. Hey, let's turn the, the page to soccer real quick. Lady Eagles came into uh, the conference USA championship, uh, the West champion, and of course last Wednesday they beat Florida Atlantic two to one. Since we've talked to you on the air, they defeated UAB two to one in the semifinals and then faced Old Dominion yesterday and fell to the Lady Monarchs one to nothing. And Kelly, this is, this was kind of how the game went. And when you look at the statistics, cause I watched the match yesterday in the first half, Lady Eagles had a real good opportunity. They had nine shots and, uh, they had three shots on gold early. And then, um, in about the 20th minute, the first shot of the game for Old Dominion, they got it. They Morgan Hall scores for the Lady Monarchs, and the the kind of the weird thing there, twenty one mile an hour wind gusts they were getting, and so the Eagles had to play into that wind. The second half only got two shots um, in the second half, and uh, Old Dominion held on to one to nothing. But man, what a year for Coach Mo's squad! They finished ten four and three, four one and three in the conference, and the second time again, Golden Eagle fans need to hear that. The second time in the last four years the Lady Eagles have played for it all in the Conference USA Tournament. And that just helps with recruiting. That helps with showing the rest of the league and really showing the rest of of high school and junior college players that Southern Miss needs to be taken serious in Conference USA. So we know that ODU is going to get a berth, obviously, into the the national soccer tournament correct i mean that's that's the way it works yeah that would be an automatic qualifier yeah so so do the lady eagles have a chance at an at-large bid or do they just keep it uh, do they have a certain formula that only a certain number of teams get in and i think it's a 64 team tournament that gets in but typically conference usa only gets that one you know birth and i haven't really seen anyone else because when you're dealing with soccer soccer's obviously you know like the other schools they're not split with uh you know that split into like football is so you're dealing with a whole lot more more teams you know for that that 60 uh 64 team berth but anyway lady eagles outstanding and over the next few weeks we're going to reach out and try to get some of these senior soccer players on and commemorate an outstanding historic season for them as well as coach mo uh to to recap for us hey we're going to step aside on the eagle hour heath hinton from big gold nation we'll talk some recruiting a little basketball and get his thoughts on the loss to north texas eagle hour continues on this monday right after this Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour continues on this Monday second segment. Brought to you by Campus Bookmark. 
Holidays coming up, and if you can't make it to Hattiesburg on Hardy Street to go to Campus Bookmark, you can go to campusbookmark.net. They'll ship it to your own house. No open, no closing hours on campusbookmark.net. Access it anytime you want. Great folks down there. We appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss. Luke Kelly and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. As he does every Monday, Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joins us. And uh, Heath, we'll talk about the game here just in a second. But what Kelly and I are really talking about, there's a quote from Will Hall. We played it in the first segment from the press conference on Saturday. Just mentioning about, um, he, he wasn't using as an excuse, but mentioning in passing that they were in the 60s in some some form with scholarship players. And what Kelly and I were talking about is, you know, this roster is going to look probably completely different next year. Just kind of your comments on, you know, the, the 60s number, because typically we should have 85 on scholarship. And, and what that means is Coach Hall tipping his hand that there's going to be a ton of overhaul with this roster in the offseason. Yeah, with the, the way it is, because of uh... – Players there in the transfer portal, uh, different things. This happens for a lot of schools, too. Um, along with the number of scholarships you're going to have next year to give out. I mean, you're looking at... Hey, Heath, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We we can't really hear you if you're in... in uh... If you're on a speakerphone or some way, I hate to, to cut well, you off. Now, there you go. Awesome. If you could start over with your answer, please, so we can we can hear it. Sorry about that. Uh with Southern Miss, yeah, they're going through what a lot of schools are going through because of the transfer portal. A lot of kids have entered the portal, and that really mixes up your numbers, which means uh, when you're recruiting, you only have so many you can sign per year. Last year, Coach Hollingham only signed 14 to keep the number up around 25 for this season. Now, the NCAA has come about and said, all right, we're going to give you seven extra scholarships to add. So you're looking at 32. They're probably going to have three or four more that were pushed forward from last year. So uh, Coach Hall's right, man. Right now they've probably got only 60 scholarship players, and it's a very young team, and it's going to even be even younger next year when they bring kids in. You're looking at a football team, uh, Luke and Kelly, that is uh, upwards of 40% going to be new faces next year. Wow. And and I guess uh, you know we we've been hearing it. You had you had mentioned it, but Christopher Bell, the wide receiver from uh, Greenville Christian, officially today on Twitter decommitting from Southern Miss, and his recruitment's back open. And and I guess you know part of it's like like us who have been played college football or watched it for a long time. You say okay, once you commit to a once you commit to a player, like you're with him for like four or five years as an institution. And I guess what I'm having a hard time wrapping myself around, and Kelly brought this up, and it's true. These scholarships are only, you know, uh, renewable on an annual basis. At the same token, because, uh, because of the portal and really players, you know, just coming and go as they please, I guess there's a new dynamic in college football now more than ever, Heath, that a school not, doesn't necessarily have to keep players on. Oh, that's right. I mean, it is a yearly, it is a yearly contract between the athlete and the school, if you want to say it like that. And because of the portal, it has to stay like that. Uh, there was a push at one time to make it a two-year commitment. Some wanted a four, but now with the portal and guys being able to move freely, it's pretty much turned into free agency in college football. It really has because of the transfer portal. You've got a lot of guys jumping in there, and the grass isn't always greener. 
Some guys find out it's not, especially when you go from a group of five to, if you're trying to go from a group of five to a power five, it's very difficult. It's a lot easier to go from a power five to group of five. But, yeah, I mean, you've got to keep these scholarships at a year limit because you don't know what you may have to feel where you may have to say, guys, you might want to enter the portal because it's not working out here. you got to use it to your advantage, but you also have to, you know, it, it's making things more blunt from coaches to players, too. And he thought be really up front. I wanted to ask you about that. You talked about 60% of the personnel might be new next year. But a lot of people would step back and go, oh, boy, if that's going to mean a whole bunch more you know, freshmen coming in from high school that could be in for another long season as they endure some growing pains. But with that six, per, perhaps 60% of personnel overhaul, to me it would stand to reason that some older guys would also come in via the JUCO or the transfer portal to try to even this thing out where you're not so bottom-heavy as far as underclassmen goes. Would that make sense? Yeah, excuse me. If I, I, thought, I think I was uh, meaning to say forty percent. If I said sixty, I'm sorry, but it's a forty percent overall okay. roster. If it was sixty, that would be wow. But yeah, it's still the same difference, though. You're right, Kelly, because when you're talking about uh, bringing kids in, you're talking right now. There's fifteen commitments, and what I think you're going to see from Southern Miss is for the other twenty-seven, twenty. You know, for the other say 14, maybe 15, however many they're going to have. I think it's going to be right around 13 or 14 scholarships left. You're going to see them committing to the JUCOs and to the transfer portal to get some guys that can come in here and play immediately uh, because they can't afford to wait a couple of years for a guy to develop. And it's really going to be important, important for freshmen that are coming in to be here in the spring semester to get that one-year spring practice as they'll be more prepared than other freshmen when it comes time for fall football. And see, remember, in, in two years, they start uh, play in the Sun Belt. Tailgating this weekend, of course, there was tons of questions. You know, people, because because you're on the radio, I guess everybody thinks we have all the answers, and I appreciate that, but we don't. But we I don't. do, Yeah, but I do want to ask you, um, with, all of this, with all of this talk, uh, Miles Brennan, there's a report that Miles Brennan, who used to be at St. Stanislaus, I think, down on the coast, who committed to LSU, and it's not working out there, that if he might consider transferring to Southern Miss. But I said, you guys, that I think Ty Keyes is the guy when he's healthy. I just wanted to throw both of those scenarios out to you and, and, and get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think Ty Keyes with another year, with another spring, with a spring to go through. Remember, he didn't get here to this summer to learn the system more. He's going to be more mature. He's going to be able to lift weights in off season, get stronger, perhaps uh, you know work on his accuracy. Trey Lowe will be back. I mean, there's a lot of options there uh, at quarterback. Miles Brennan, I don't know if he gets a second year of eligibility. I think you'd be more inclined to go to a place where he might would be willing to work with the staff for a year before, uh, you know, kind of knowing that he's going into a situation that's going to be a tough year. But if he doesn't, a kid like Brennan's going to want to go somewhere where he can play immediately and he can have a lot of success and get in the NFL draft. So it's just going to depend on with a kid like Miles Brennan how what the NCAA does with eligibility because of his injury. 
So if they give him an extra year, I think that gives him a lot better shot to come into Southern. Yeah. And my final question for you, Heath, before I turn it back to Luke, is with some of these players decommitting now that originally committed to Southern Miss, they've seen what kind of a season the Eagles are going through. Any reason for concern that players, uh, that a couple have started to decommit, although obviously a large majority have not? No, I don't think it's uh, any real concern. You're talking about guys that are committed uh, – you know, they're not signing paperwork. A lot of times they get committed and other schools start looking at them. And when you start seeing SEC schools come around, it's happened to Southern Miss so many times in the past. And when SEC schools start recruiting and offering scholarships, they decommit. It's happened before. It'll happen in the future. Uh, I don't see any real cause for concern right now, no. All right, let's talk basketball in our remaining moments, about a minute and a half left. Uh, Jay Ladner will be on the show Wednesday. Uh, Southern Miss takes on Delta State, and a lot of people, you know, saying you should beat them by 40 points or whatever. Delta State usually plays pretty well with exhibition. I guess what surprised me was Eagles only scored 68 points. We've been hearing, you know, out of uh, preseason that, you know, the, the, it was more of an up tempo offense. Really, Kind of concerned, maybe not, Heath. Bench scored 39 of those 68. Anything to read into that? Yeah, I just think the Coach Ladner and his staff are still looking at how they're going to start this thing, who's going to be their starting five. I think it shows that the team's a little deeper. Um, it's an exhibition. I mean, you look at Ole Miss. They played uh, Nazarene. Uh, I can't remember. I, I do remember. played a school and barely won their game. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's exhibition. It happens. Um, not to not going to look too much in it now. Uh, I think we'll have a better idea of what this team is against William Carey. Always improved from first to second game the most. So, I think we'll have more idea then. But the team, you know, one thing that did maybe concern me a little bit was that they just had a problem shooting the ball. Now, Pinkney was on fire. Uh, he shot the ball well. Pierre shot the ball well at the beginning of the game, but really uh, they struggled shooting the ball from outside, and it seemed like that there was a lid on the basket even inside the paint. They were getting good shots. It just weren't in the fall. If they just got yeah. half the shots to fall, it would have been a 30-point blowout. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see after this week against William Carey. I, I'm interested to see that improvement from the first to second game. And he did play 10 players. Which uh, is something that, you know, they haven't had quite that depth in a while. Sure. So Coach Ladner finally getting a full season, getting a, actually a full off season to actually practice. And uh, this is his first one. First year he got here late, and then second, he uh, COVID. So, um, yeah, Heath, we're, uh, we're out of time, man. We appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for your insight and appreciate all you do for Southern Miss. Have a great week. You too, buddy. Y'all have a good one. Bye-bye. Let's see you hitting the Big Gold Nation. We're going to step aside to come back. Dave Rickert from James Madison University. Going to welcome the Golden Eagle listening audience and fan base. A little more we can learn about the Dukes coming up after this. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. 4th Street Bar and Grill was not a happy place yesterday as the Houdats went down to defeat. It's one thing to lose, but to lose to the dirty birds of Atlanta in the dome? Yeesh. But 
Another Monday night game tonight. Anytime a sporting event is on of any interest, they'll have it on at 4th Street Bar and Grill. And it's the official place for Southern Miss fans to pregame, as they call it, or tailgate afterwards. And still home of the 895 lunch that includes drink. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud to be supporters of the Eagle Hour. And uh, we highly, highly recommend you try everything on the menu there. You won't be disappointed. Joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi hotline is Dave Rigert, the radio voice of... The James Madison Dukes. And and as we welcome you, James Madison, the newest member now, officially as of Saturday, the newest member of the Sun Belt. Dave is a a native of Nebraska, and Saturday now made it all official. The Dukes are coming to the Sun Belt. But as we welcome you, Dave, I want to just say, you know, I was at tailgates this Saturday, this past Saturday, where Southern Miss was playing football, and a couple people came up to me and they went, James Madison? James <laughs> Madison? Okay, so not not that you need to for me, but but to some of the lay people who might not know about the the great athletic program at, at James Madison. Please forgive their ignorance. Yes. Please. <laughs> and 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 sell them on James Madison as to why the Dukes should be there. <laughs> oh man, I, I've 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 heard that before. That's not the first time from Southern Miss fans or anybody else. But uh, they're probably like, "Where in the heck is that at?" You know, right? But, um, Harrisonburg, Virginia, is where JMU is located. And you know, honestly, the one thing that uh, I can probably sell this place pretty good because I just um, jumped on board about two months ago. I took over as the radio voice um, in September. And I have fallen in love with this place. Um, I knew about JMU and kind of knew about their tradition and everything, knew they were a good FCS program, but didn't know um, full-fledged everything that, that went on at the university and the facilities that they have and the success that they have at their university. But, um, yeah, it is, it's an unbelievable place, um, great people there. The success that they have had, we'll start with football first, just because I think that's what a lot of people – um, certainly focus on. They're jumping up from the FCS to the FBS now, so there'll be a couple years of transition. So it'll be kind of a change, I think, for them. And it'll take some time to kind of get to where they want to get to. But um, they have won two national championships at the FCS level back in 2004 and 2016. And they've been to three of the last five national championship games. Obviously, a lot of people know about North Dakota State in the FCS. Well, JMU has the second-best winning percentage of any FCS school next to North Dakota State. They played for more national championships than anybody else besides North Dakota State, and they've lost to NDSU when they've been there. So they've been they've been pretty much one and two with North Dakota State in, in FCS football for the last decade. Um, there was a little lull in there between '04 and '10 where they were weren't quite as good. They're about 500 every single year, but um, over the past decade, they've been a dominant team in FCS football. Um, they've won a ton of CAA championships. That's the Colonial Athletic Association. What they were in and the one thing that they've done is just built great facilities. That's a rabid fan base. There's a, a they they pack the stadium almost every single game. It holds about twenty five thousand. Um, with and they built it so it's easy easy to expand that to, to hopefully bigger crowds um, once they get full fledged into the FBS. Um, but they really do support their athletic programs. Just last year, as a whole athletic department in the Colonial League that they were in. They won seven conference championships, which is tied for the most all-time. They had nine coaches of the year, seven rookies of the year. So they've been pretty dominant in that league. Um, the lacrosse team won a national championship in 2018. Field hockey has won a national championship as well. And 
Um, volleyball is a perennial team. Obviously, softball made its name well known this past uh, this past spring when they made it to the College World Series, upset Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and got to the Final Four before losing um, to the Sooners. So um, it's just an, it's a well-rounded athletic department that has a rabid fan base and. They love JMU around here. Well, uh, there's no doubt about that. A- after you just listed all those, I'm thinking maybe we need to head back to Conference USA. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, no. I'm kidding. Believe me, I'm kidding. But th- I think the only people m- more ecstatic than the people at JMU about the Dukes going to the Sun Belt are the people at Old Dominion. And as an outsider looking in, Old Dominion hates you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to find that out, and I think the feeling is mutual that JMU hates ODU. So I've heard a ton of about this rivalry, and I guess it was really rabid um, with women's basketball. There right. were some just knockdown dragouts in women's basketball. Uh, men's basketball had some. Actually, in football, the two teams only met twice, and, and ODU's won both games. So there isn't a huge rivalry there, but the the chance for James Madison to go to the Sun Belt, which um, Keith Gill, the commissioner of the Sun Belt, is impressive. And yes. I think that leadership of that conference is impressive. I think you guys have probably seen that as well. That this league is so stable. I mean, every league is losing teams, except for the Sun Belt. They're not losing teams. Instead of losing teams, they're adding teams and adding the right teams. You guys fit this as well as anybody with your ge- geographic location, with your rivalries. I think they've done a great job now on the east side with adding James Madison, ODU, Marshall. Those schools are within three or four hours of each other. Then you add an App State and Coastal Carolina, the Georgia schools, and it's going to make for great, great yeah. football, great sports uh, around the board, um, just with those geographic rivalries. That's what uh, some people lack so much. Heck, out here, West Virginia is going to the big, has, is in the, has been in the Big 12, and they've got to travel so far to do all that. There's just too much of that. Liberty's now in Conference USA, which is in Lynchburg, Virginia. They're traveling to New Mexico State to go to a game. You just don't have that in the Sun Belt. These regional rivalries are so important in these conferences. It, it really is. We're talking to Dave Rigert. He's the voice of the James Madison Dukes. James Madison with a student population of 22,000, just to put that in perspective, Southern Miss at 14,600. So what's up with uh, the Colonial basically saying that you guys now are ineligible for conference team championships the rest of your no, go? That seems pretty whack. Uh, it's so With all that, there's over 20 teams changing conferences and, and have been since really Oklahoma and Texas decided to, to jump ship and go to the SEC. There's over 20 schools that are, that are leaving leagues and going to different leagues, and there's only one university that can't play for a conference championship in a conference tournament, and that's James Madison. There's a bylaw that's been in effect for a couple of decades, and the Colonial has, has lost some really good teams over the years. VCU, when they were good at basketball, George Mason, Old Dominion, teams like that have, have left, and so they put a bylaw in a long time ago that if you leave, you can't compete for a conference championship in the tournament. You can win a regular season one, but not in the, not in the tournament. So it, it makes you ineligible. Well, James Madison knew this when they were trying to get into the Sun Belt, but they did think that now with so much changing, the landscape of college, college athletics changing, that the presidents at these universities would take the well-being of the student athletes into into play, which that's what every that's what the NCAA they they, they talk so much about the well-being of student athletes. The commissioners of all these leagues talk about that. Well, the CAA had a chance to to kind of step up to the plate. It's an old bylaw; they could vote it out, 
and I guess it wasn't unanimous, but it was, uh, I, I want to say, like 7-2 to two in favor of, of keeping the bylaw the same. Hmm. And so our student, pop- our student athlete population here, they have a petition going on right now that's been online with a Google document, and they have over over a thousand signatures from student athletes from coast to coast, from Florida to Stanford, out uh, out in California, and every school in the CAA where they're leaving has signed. Student athletes have signed this petition, except for the College of Charleston. They're the only school in the league that hasn't backed the student athletes at James Madison. So they're wow. fighting to try and get to get to this postseason and, and play in these conference championships. But you think of a, a sport like basketball where the CA is a one big one bid league. Sure. So if you don't win your conference tournament, no matter what you do in the regular season, if you don't win that conference tournament, you're not going to the NCAA tournament. So it's it, that that's what hurts the most for these student athletes. Well Dave yeah, it, it really does. Uh, and and the reason I ask that, Dave, is because you know, there's been a little talk. We've got about a minute left. That, that this, you know, depending on what conference USA did, that this might actually move up the the timeline. I mean, if this were bylaw to stand, do you think that James Madison is it possible for them making the transition? Is it possible for them to come in before 2023, or do you think that because of the extra transition you guys have to take that that July 23 is a hard hard line? I think it's going to be 2022. I think they'll be in next year for all sports, except for football. Obviously, they've got to make the transition from FCS to FBS. So they'll have to wait a little bit and go through a couple of transition years. But Jeff Bourne, the AD, told me on Saturday, our goal is to be, by July 1 of 2022, we want to be a Sunbelt member and play a Sunbelt schedule next season. So I think they'll I think they'll get that done for next year. Real quick, Luke, before you let him go, I was just going to let you know, Dave, we're getting a, a texts from Old Dominion saying they don't have any problem with that rule. The, the <laughs> <laughs> uh, JMU did vote probably in the, against ODU back then, so uh, I'm guessing they don't. <laughs> we, we, we figure that the nice folks in, in Norfolk will help everybody at James Madison through this transition. Uh, Dave, we, uh, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on with us today. Welcome uh, to uh, – uh, you're, you're now a part of what Southern Miss Athletics is, uh, and, and we're a part of what James Madison is as we will compete down the road. Thanks for hopping on the Eagle Hour with us today. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Kelly, the Dukes. How about that? 26,000 students. That's almost twice the size of Southern Miss. Anybody that was going, what about them? Well, you just kind of see what it is, right? We've got a lot of things to talk about. Who did the best in our football predictions this weekend? We'll talk about that and more stuff when the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This final segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by D1 and DBAT Training Facility. Unlike any other facility around the area, first of all, it's the biggest as far as square footage goes. Whether you want to train cardiovascular, they can do that. They've got free weights. They can set up a plan for you to work 
however you want to work. And then, of course, all the indoor batting cages for softball and baseball. And those machines can throw various pitches. There isn't anything you can't do to get ready for the next season at D-Bat and D-1 Training Facility. Proud to be sponsors of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander along with Luke Johnson in Laurel. Michael Mergen's pushing all the right buttons here in Hattiesburg. Luke, I was intrigued by what Dave Riggert, the voice of James Madison, said in the last segment that that he thinks the Dukes will want to get in, into the Sun Belt starting next academic year. And I got thinking, when Southern Miss put out its press release, it said that the, the Golden Eagle athletic family will join the Sun Belt, quote, no later than January 1 of 2023. Should, should I be reading something into that? Well, I mean, I, I was on the JMU website, and there they have a FAQ, and it says, when will JMU officially join the Sun Belt? And it says, no later than July 1st, 2023. Exact same thing. But this is why it, it's a little unique. So they're not going to want their entire um, you know, athletic program to go a whole other year as just uh, a, a, to not be able to compete for championships if the Colonial doesn't you know, waive that bylaw, which I think is the stupidest thing ever. I mean, that, that, that you're punishing student athletes for a school trying to better itself. Anyway, well, yeah, when they when they did, they had no they had no right in the decision making process. So this is another question in that it says, how long will it take JMU to fully transition to FBS? Currently, the NCAA requires a two year period for an institution to fully transition from SCS to FBS. The notification must occur by June the 1st, meaning JMU's transition would officially begin on July 1st, 2022, and end on June 30th, 2024. So JMU will be fully FBS, including bowl eligibility, for the 2024 football season. They could play in the 2023 football season. They just couldn't compete for you know postseason and stuff. ODU did the same thing. 2013 made the transition, 2014 full-fledged member of Conference USA. I think what you and I were, were discussing, so w- what happens when next year if Liberty and New Mexico State and Sam Houston and these other schools push to possibly be a part of Conference USA 2022 football season? I'm not saying it could happen, not saying it would happen, because you would think those schools would want to get money now sooner than later. So would that cause... You know, Southern Miss and Marshall and Old Dominion to try to make the jump as well. It's just something out there. that That's news, the very fact that JMU is looking for the 2022 athletic season. And just like before, several dominoes would have to be fall because right now there's no room at the end as far as Conference USA goes because none of those schools have said they're leaving until the year after that. But again, if the Sun Belt will allow that to happen and then – Leave, have the Conference USA existing members go ahead and go, then the, the, newbie, the new kids on the block would have room to come into Conference USA. So there's a whole bunch of dominoes that would have to fall, but certainly worth watching going forward. Absolutely. All right, let's recap Conference USA football. All 14 teams played over the weekend. UAB defeated Louisiana Tech 52-38. to Charlotte defeated Rice 31 to 24 in overtime. Western Kentucky knocks, knocks off Middle Tennessee State uh, or Middle Tennessee 48-21. Marshall defeats FAU 28 to 13. Old Dominion defeats FIU 47-24. UTSA defeats UTEP 44-23 and of course the Golden Eagles fell to North Texas 38 to 14. Updated Conference USA standings. Marshall in the East leading are tied for the lead at four and one with Western Kentucky, Florida Atlantic three and two, Charlotte three and two, Middle Tennessee and Old Dominion two and three, and then FIU zero oh and five in the West. UTSA as they're ranked, I think 
16th, maybe 15th this week. Golden Eagles opponent this coming weekend. They're perfect 5-0 and and 9-0 and overall. UAB in second place at 4-1. and UTEP at 3-2. and Rice 2-3. and North Texas 2-3. and Tech 1-4. and And the Eagles 0-5. And, and the Eagles open up a 32.5-point underdog at UTSA. 32.5. What do you think about that? I, I mean, from the, on the surface, you'd think that's really low. Uh, because, again, the Golden Eagle offense, which has sputtered all year long for any myriad of, of reasons, we've, we've talked about that. But they've been averaging, you know what, about 10 points a game. So, but that's against teams not like UTSA, who has just been tremendous. So, you know, under that circumstance, it'd have to be a 42-10 to 10 game. But that's if the Eagles can, can score on UTSA. You certainly hope that they can um, and make a game of it. But... On the surface, wouldn't you agree? You just look at it and go, hmm, 32.5 might be a little low? Yeah, possibly. AP poll, UTSA 15th. Uh, Coaches poll, they're 16th. Let's see if they, you know, crack the CFB poll, CFP poll, which I think is the stupidest thing ever. We we didn't talk about that. You know, our old conference mate, Cincinnati, being two in both polls, and and they'll probably move up to five today since Michigan State got beat. But but what a joke! What an absolute joke! Somebody said it best this way. They said, "Well, I, I guess Cincinnati, UTSA, uh, and there was one more team. Oh, it was it was uh, it was Oklahoma. So I guess they didn't have good enough losses in order to move up in the playoff poll because they were undefeated. Anytime there are human beings involved, there's going to be an element of politics. I just don't know how you can avoid it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I just don't know how you can avoid it. Monday Night Football tonight, 4th Street. Great place to watch that. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for hanging with us on the Eagle Hour. We're going to be live from Camp Shelby tomorrow from at the uh, the museum should be a great day as we celebrate veterans day later in the week we'll catch you tomorrow and i hope you have a great monday always as always southern miss to, to the, the top, top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.